Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your bad son. I'm Captain Captain Jingwei, the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Jingwei, the USS Voyager. Welcome to the Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Kind of a late night record for us. Well, later than we usually start. Yeah, we've been messing with the times lately, and it's been yeah. making great episodes, Ben. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have a prediction. Okay. After the last episode where you tried to play off drinking three quarters of one can of an alcoholic beverage as your quote-unquote <laughs> Coco No-No makeup, uh-huh. I think that the Friends of DeSoto are going to be dissatisfied with that performance. How do you know how much was left in that can at the end of the episode? That was an empty can. No, there was half to that. <laughs> I absolutely finished it. It was done. No, you weren't tipping it far back enough for it to be done. Give me a I reject. Break. I reject your lies. What are you suggesting? I'm suggesting you're still into us for a Coco No-No. You've got to make it up, you know? Like, I can't make you do the job. Yeah. This is the job, though. All right. Up to me, if it is to be. <laughs> so I'm going to drop that on you at a future date. Well. What are you trying? Are you trying to get to goad me into doing it right now? No. You don't have to do anything right now. Say what you mean, man. I don't know what you're getting at. I actually have prepared myself a rum-based beverage for today's recording. It's got what looks like a mint sprig the size of a corsage on yeah. top. You really go like heavy a, with the garnish, don't you? A grapefruit-sized wad of mint Yeah. that I grabbed and threw in the top of the glass. My ice machine's been on the fritz, man. It's really fucking my shit up. Yeah? You haven't gotten it fixed, have you? Called the company, told them what my name was. My first name is in my email address, and I called the company back today. And the person I talked to last night had spelled it B-E-N-J-I-M-A-N. Hmm. Benjamin. So that's like uh, that's like getting your name misspelled on, on the coffee cup when your drink order's ready. Is that what happened to you? Pretty much, but it was like uh, they needed warranty information. They needed me to send in a part number. They said that they were sending like procedures to try, like try this, this, and uh-huh. this in this order. Uh huh. And none of that shit happened. So I think I know the answer to this question. But are you the type that does not throw away all the materials that comes with an expensive item? You actually hand fill out the warranty card and mail it back in that's got to be you right that sounds like you Uh, i actually don't typically do that and i found that it doesn't often come back to bite me in the ass i guess i still have like the paperwork that came with like my television yeah but i don't do anything with it i've never needed it it seems like it's more trouble than it's worth it's just in a plastic sleeve in a drawer somewhere they, like, print it on paper that's, like, not normal printer paper, so it feels like it's, like, a document that you need <laughs> to preserve, you know? It's just lies. It's supposed to make you feel safer than you are. We're, none of us are safe, Adam. No. Even from people that we're supposed to feel safe around, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's the really awful truth. Hey, we're out on tour as of this recording. Hey, uh, we missed the exit to the episode. That I just dropped back there. <laughs> I was just thinking about how we should probably promote the tour. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. 
We can turn the pod car around and go for go back to the to that exit. No, let's promote the tour. At this moment in time, we will have had three great live shows. Yeah, I already done in the Midwest. Hopefully, uh, neither of us have been injured or killed in the process. Yeah, we're gonna be in Canada on Friday as of this recording in Toronto. Oh, they're gonna let us back into Canada, are they? Maybe. <laughs> Always a question. Usually more of a question whether the fucking American border guards are going to let us back. They don't like the look of your questionable challenge coin currency and no, and bringing they, that they into do and out of the country. <laughs> yeah, I always wind up with the bag full of challenge coins, the heavy bag. Yeah. I always get the posters and the challenge coins, the densest, heaviest shit. I know. And, uh, and the border guards don't like the looks of me. And they're not wrong. Yeah, they don't need to know what's in your bag to spot you as a Benjamin. <laughs> I bet that's one of those weird Benjamins that spells their name with an I. Yeah. Let's see if we can get a look at this guy's identification. Yeah. Does he have a passport on him? Yeah. We're also missing the uh, Chicago Star Trek convention next week. I was sad to see that as a, as a consequence of our third bite of the tour-rooting apple. Our third bite, the, the most likely to get canceled due to COVID, right? Because <laughs> that's probably when we start coming down with the symptoms that we pick up in the Midwest or in an airport. Nothing good happens after the third bite. That was the bite that precipitated the mm-hmm. fall. That was the bad Adam and Eve bite. They, right. they passed yeah. the apple back and forth, and then some third character took the third bite. <laughs> That person's never been written about yeah. <laughs> in any religious text. Everybody was supposed to be great in the Garden of Eden, and that third character had a real dark side to him. Hey, it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Eve and Benjamin. <laughs> hey, uh, we missed that uh, exit uh, for the episode that I dropped back there. Yeah, all right. Do you want to go back and get it, or do you just want to keep fucking shooting the shit? All right, I'm turning the pod car around like... I'm going the wrong way on the pod freeway in order to take our exit toward season three, episode 18. It's darkling, Adam. It's darkling. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. We have uh, pulled up to a planet that has an outpost of Nakal travelers who are a peripatetic lot and loosely governed at that. Whenever a group calls themselves the Travelers, I'm just looking at their potential lobster hands. <laughs> yeah. uh, no lobster hands among this group of people. Well, one of them gets a severe burn, and we don't really get to see what happened to his hand after that. This is my lodge. I say what I want. Maybe he goes lobster when his skin fuses after that burn. I mean, maybe you just uh, open that guy's hand to get at that delicious claw meat in there. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you keep some drawn butter in the six bay, just in case. Oh, yeah, yeah. Clarified. So yeah. good. There's been a kind of video forced on me in Instagram. I know Instagram has a questionable value. Always mm-hmm. has. But uh, yeah. one of the things that Instagram wants me to watch is crab leg videos. <laughs> what is crab leg videos? It is a very brief, like, 10 to 15 second video of... 
crab meat being pulled out of crab legs in one long, oh. unbroken piece. Oh, wow. I feel like this would really appeal to me in the same way that popping videos on TikTok This is what I me. was going to compare it to. There is something instinctual about how it makes me feel <laughs> when I see that. <laughs> The algorithm knows that you want it. Yeah. And, and then you want more of it. And now it's giving me nothing but that. You're a sick crab leg freak. I'm hungry for crabs. Crab legs. You may remember that uh, the part of space that Voyager is traveling through is of dubious mappability <laughs> as a place. Mm-hmm. So the Nicole Travelers, being well-traveled people, might be some folks that we could get some information from. And wouldn't it be great if they were also really fun hangs at the same time? Yeah. That's what this episode presupposes. <laughs> yeah, we start with the owner of a tavern kicking it to Janeway, really giving her the bedroom eyes while he tells her kind of a a tall tale about a creature that he landed on. It was a that's no moon situation, but it wasn't a space station. Boy, you're really right about how these travelers look. This guy, Nikan, looks like he's the sort of person you want to hire when you want Jason Isaacs, but you don't want to pay Jason Isaacs money. (laughs) Yeah, and he also has the loaf of somebody that you hire when you want a Bajoran, but you don't have Bajoran money. And Kess's (laughs) friend is like Jared Leto, if you don't want to pay Jared Leto money. And both of them have the dreamiest eyes that you just get lost in. They're dreamy off-brand Bajorans, yeah. and I thought that the direction of this episode was just going to be the women of Voyager are defenseless against the Nikal travelers. Yeah. That sort of seemed like where this might be headed at this point. They've traveled all around the galaxy, but their final frontier is a woman's heart. <laughs> <laughs> Zahir, Kess's friend, does not like Nikan's bullshit. He does not like... Nikan telling a bunch of tall tales to the captain. Yeah. Nikan's like, this this giant asteroid-sized alien is my girlfriend from Canada. <laughs> We're going to prom together. And it's fucking bullshit. You don't have a girlfriend in Canada. And Nikan pulls out a gun. Yeah. <laughs> That's not how the Canadian girlfriend story usually ends. That's not how it works. My girlfriend goes to another school you wouldn't know her does not usually end in violence. (laughs) Right. Yeah, you don't have to flash a piece just because this dude doesn't believe your weird giant alien story. It it seems a little over the top. So Zahir and Kess have been audience to this thing and then finally sit down in the can's empty seat. Yeah, there's some kind of like rank pulling here. It seems like the Nicole travelers have a fairly subtle way of determining who has rights in which context, but Zahir definitely pulls rank on Nikan, and he's hanging out with the captain and Cass, and they're talking about all these uh, great opportunities to trade information and equipment that the Nikal meeting the Voyager represents. Zahir's like, look, that dude's story may be bullshit, but the asteroid belt that he was talking about is actually pretty thick <laughs> with some minerals you might be interested in, <laughs> so it may be worth your time from that perspective. But you're not going to meet a giant planet-sized creature. No, I would be very surprised if you met a Canadian girlfriend in that <laughs> asteroid belt. So as this is happening, the doctor is running Neelix's resort program in the holodeck, 
And he has created some NPCs based on historical figures that he's interested in. Aristotle. President Chester A. Arthur. Yes. He's got Gandhi and Lord Byron talking to him. Gandhi advocating for a very chaste lifestyle, eschewing all horniness. Lord Byron kind of looking around the place, looking for things to colonize. This sucks so bad. Everyone is in the Luau Hollow Suite program to chill out. No one wants to hear Gandhi's bullshit about not fucking around on the Hollow Suite. Who invited these people? The doc did. It's so disappointing. I thought it would have been much more fun if the extras in the extremely skimpy bathing suits had been walking around like cutting through the middle of the conversation while Gandhi was trying to make this point, you know? Yeah. Yeah, where's... Like, uh, where's side crank guy? Yeah, where's dick through the side door? That's what I want to know. You should take a cold bath. So the doc explains to, like, Neelix and I think Kess that he's created a bunch of interesting historical figures such as Socrates, Da Vinci, Lord Byron, T'Pau of Vulcan, Mary Curie. He's trying to step up his personality game, trying to become a, a more well-rounded man now that he can get out of the... Uh, Six bay. He's the real ask me about the self-help books I'm reading at the bar kind of person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kess is also rocking a new Luke here. She has gone full cat suit in this episode and a big departure from her previous looks. Do you think there's some intentionality to that based on storyline or do you think it's coincidental? I don't know. I mean, the... <laughs> Main cast character that replaces Cass is very famous for the cat suit right. element of her characterization. So I sort of wondered if this was just like something that came down from the executives, like more TNA for Trek, please. And this was their solution at the time. Well, I mean, this is an episode by and large that is very interested in how the subtle can make a person seem in terms yeah. of either threat or attractiveness. Right. And, like, the difference between this cat suit for her and her other costuming doesn't seem that great in the same way that other makeup and costume choices throughout the rest of the episode say the same. She's uh, talking to the doctor about, hey, I got this boy I'm sweet on down at the colony. He seems great. Are you familiar with my so-called life? He kind of <laughs> looks like that guy. The doc is not super thrilled about this new development. A, he says, you're not leaving the ship dressed like that young lady. Go put on a jacket. <laughs> and B, I don't know about these people with their terminal wanderlust. I'm going to put my dick in. Seems bad. It's interesting the multiple directions that the doc's jealousy come from. Like... It could seem as though he's got a crush on her. It could also seem as though he doesn't want to lose an unpaid intern. <laughs> right. When he's not in the in the six bay, she is the only person to hold him down. Right. BLT is salad intolerant. She doesn't have an enzyme needed to break down the vegetables on this planet. And she's got a bit of a tummy ache. Is it? Vegetables on this planet or any vegetables? Because the idea that a Klingon would be vegetable intolerant and just pure carnivore all the time <laughs> is great trivia that I'm ready to believe. I know, but she's only half Klingon. You'd hope that you would get some ability to digest a, a gherkin. I mean, that's ba basically all they've got. Maybe only one digestive tract is, is affected. Oh, yeah, that's true. I had one small salad. So impetuous. The doctor's getting real handsy with her, though. 
the way his bedside manner is working is gross and creepy. Yuck. Yeah. <laughs> These new behavioral inclusions have backfired pretty badly. And the diagnoses are going in both directions because it's here that BLT <laughs> diagnoses the doc with being a super creep. Super creep, yeah. he's super creepy. And there's sort of like a subroutine schizophrenia happening, right? Yeah. He didn't really figure on the personality interactions of the different doses that he's been taking. Yeah. This is why, uh, you know, every time you go to the doctor's office, they ask you to update them on any medication you might be taking, just in case. He went to the personality pill party, and he just took a handful of whatever was in the fishbowl. He just fucking poured milk over it and ate pills like breakfast cereal yeah. with no regard what they might do to him. I don't know, Doc. Maybe choose some historical figures who were a little less handsy. So she's like, okay, well, we're going to have to deal with this. Knock it off for now and get your hand off my knee. And we yeah. cut down to the planet where Kes and Zahir are on a pretty romantic looking night hike. Down on this planet. <laughs> Through a Christmas tree farm, by the <laughs> looks of it. When they build an outdoor set on Star Trek, they don't really bring pine in as like the main kind of plant all that often. I liked it. I liked seeing the needles. This planet is rotten with moons, man. Yeah. Three visible from this spot. This Jared Leto is projecting that kind of annoying, performative, interesting guy vibe. Where everything they say yeah. comes like laden with how interesting it has to be because he did it. Picked up a little cat knees when I was in the Orient. Zahir is the guy that shows up at a house party and is like, does anybody know whose guitar this is? Is this, I might just, I might play something. No one is this interesting without a downside or a dark secret. It's interesting how the episode gives us the idea of historical figures who are respected, but with also like dark details about them. Yeah. And also these modern alien traveler figures who are also respected and beloved that you sort of expect to have a dark secret, you know? I can see the attraction. Kess can't see the dark forest for the dark trees, though. Yeah. She's really taken with this guy and they wind up smooching toward the end of this date. And the camera pulls back, and they're being monitored by a a cloaked figure, a, a peeping Jawa. Tommy, how's the peeping? He's just back there working the Christmas tree farm, though. You know, he's got a job to do. Yeah. You know, they chose to make out in his farm. Yeah, he's throwing those in the back of a van and driving them down to New York City, where he'll make most of the money he makes this entire season. That's right. He has a hard life. Leave him alone. All right, we're back on his side now. It appears that this is uh, Kiss and Dash because back on Voyager, Kess has beamed back up and is unusually happy enough to get some side-eye from the transporter op <laughs> who brings her home. Yeah. And also the attention of Tuvok, who is walking around at three in the morning wondering what the hell Kess is doing the same. Kess, you have a report due at 8 a.m. And also, I know that you went on a date tonight. It does not seem that you let him hit it. <laughs> Is something wrong? Kess is fine with this timeline of when her report is due. <laughs> like most college students, yeah. she's going to fit it in between the three and eight o'clock <laughs> hours and goes right into six bay to get to work. Yeah. And she's surprised to see the doc still up working. Well, how are you, Kess? She can't sneak back 
through the window of Voyager undetected. The doc doing work that she was supposed to do. She, this is an assignment that's not due imminently. This is a late assignment that he did on her behalf because she blew it. <laughs> I got to say I'm on Kess's side of this one. If the doc could have done this the whole time and yeah. the doc can't feel sleep or stress or any of the feelings associated with a due date or an assignment or whatever, why don't you just lay it off on the doc? Is there any downside to busy work for the doc? I can't see one. Do you realize what would happen if I handed my reports in your handwriting? I'll get fired. And it frees Kess up for the makeouts. Yeah, and anything that would keep him out of the holodeck right now is a bonus. Yeah. The doc is disappointed that Kess has come home so late. Like the doc in a darkened six bay turns on the lamp. Yeah. He's been sitting in the chair all night. Occasionally this show reminds you about how weird the Kess situation is. This is one of those scenes. She's like, I'm three years old and I'll fuck whoever I want, doc. Thanks for caring. (laughs) I won't forget that, she says. And whenever you put that kind of tense to things... It suggests that she may be in a situation where she could possibly forget it, and she doesn't want to. Kind of a threat. I won't forget that when I go to college, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) I'm coming home on weekends just to do my laundry. You can lead your life any way you please. I guess it's not the next morning. It's just later that morning. Kess walks into the ready room looking like she's... Dressed to join the fucking Bajoran militia. It's funny how walk tired as a physical direction looks like walk like the varsity captain of the high school football team in between classes. How she just kind of like arm swings, saunters in there. She really struts, yeah. I don't know if I were to be given the direction walk tired, what direction I would take it. But this was a decision that worked, I thought. I feel like they accomplished most of what they needed to accomplish with her hair, which is just subtly must. As if she was laying down to write her paper. (laughs) She starts telling the captain kind of a continuation of what she was talking about with the doc. Basically, she is going through a third life crisis. She's uh, spent some great years aboard the Voyager, but she's looking ahead and wondering if this is where she wants to be long term. And uh, she might go on a little uh, bit of a getaway with Zaheer. He's got a high-warp, two-person ship, and maybe they'll go do some exploring, just the two of them, and then meet back up with the Voyager later and see if she likes that as an energy. Janeway is like, look, I know you don't have a lot of time to make this decision, so I will cut straight to the chase. Is he tub-worthy, Kat? (laughs) Do you know what I mean when I say that? (laughs) (laughs) guess is like uh well he's hydroponic worthy Mm. the guy could blaze trees yeah is that similar it seems like at least she's unwilling to tell janeway in this moment that her decision's been made she kind of goes yeah i'll take the next few days to really ruminate on it yeah but it sure feels like the decision was made already there's coffee in that interesting young man something pretty wild that comes out of her face in this is that she wants more complication in her life Kess, have you been paying attention the last three years? Yeah. You live on a ship that your ex lives on with another like 140-something people. It's constantly like getting thrown into the past or into (laughs) into dire straits. Kess, 
your life is interesting enough that they make a show about it that comes out every week. <laughs> your fucking mind was taken over by a warlord a few episodes ago, and you were just freshening people up left and right. That's not complicated to you? Yeah. That's simple, easy peasy. Interesting enough for you, Cass. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it would have been more credible if she said she wanted the opposite. She right. just wanted to go on long road trips with Jared Leto. I want to go on long road trips and smash Jared Leto. Live the quiet life. Speaking of Jared Leto, he's given the tea to Tuvok about some different security threats that are out ahead of where the Voyager is planning to go. There's a species called the Tarkan that they're being advised to avoid at all costs. The Tarkan will steal their ship and maroon them, basically. That doesn't sound any worse than anyone else they've run into. So you're saying they do not want our (laughs) guts, just the ship. They sound like a pretty chill Delta Quadrant alien, to be honest. I like the cylindrical star map that they're both looking at. Yeah, that would be a cool screen-used prop to own. It's no mashed potatoes with a whisk no. in it, but it's pretty yeah. cool. And it, even Tuvok is acting like Kess's dad here. Is there anyone who isn't Kess's dad in this episode? <laughs> I would like to know specifically what your intentions are navigationally with my daughter. <laughs> and so here's like, look, I'm a daredevil when I'm by myself. I would never jump a motorcycle over a canyon with her on it. She walks in and Tuvok clears out and she's like, hey, listen, so like I talked to the captain and I'm still kind of working through my decision about whether or not to go on the adventure with you. Really want to, but I just want to kind of make sure that I make the call in the right headspace. So I'm going to take a couple days. Days I'm not going to spend with you because I kind of catch up on all the work I missed. I'm super far behind. I am stressed. This sucks. (laughs) I'll try not to let you see my disappointment. Too late. But it's also kind of a sweet moment. Like, I feel like this is the moment where you feel like, oh, like these two may really be in, in love. Right, because they're both putting a huge amount of importance on every little moment they spend together. And like looking at it in historical terms, like yeah. this moment right now when I'm telling you this could be the most important moment of our relationship. Write down the date, because three years from now, you're going to forget that this is our anniversary, and I'm going to be pissed. (laughs) And three years after that, I'll be dead. (laughs) Hey, how do you feel about fucking back sacks? Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. So... Zaheer takes the long walk home through the pine forest and kind of get the sense as he's walking that uh, he's being hunted. Yeah. Not a good feeling. He's the most attractive game. (laughs) The Nicole Traveler's always pulling the gun out at the first sign of smoke. And he does this, but he does not avoid the edges of high cliffs as as he's walking. And uh, that cloaked figure comes out of nowhere and pushes him off the cliff and we get a great slow-mo going over the edge shot there is something really weird about this choice in slow motion yeah it's really slow-mo like it's probably like 500 frames a second or something you don't get a lot of slow motion in star trek yeah you're right it's kind of an unusual thing 
Unless they're like, oh, time is slow in this place or something. This hooded figure is seen entering the bar from the cold open after this. And when he takes off his hood, the reveal is that he's the doc. Wow. And he is acting like a total bad guy. He's got like real Batman-y voice. And he goes up to Nakan and grabs his hand and sticks it into the fireplace. And we know that uh, you have to do burning on a computer to make Doc Hand burn. <laughs> so Nikan is the only one that, that suffers from this. And uh, It's crazy, though. Like, the, the camera tilts down to Nikan's hand, and you see, like, perfectly formed crab meat come out of his fingers. Crab legs! And you're like, so this is where the travelers come from. Yeah. Delicious. They get the ability to bend space with their minds by getting their hands burnt and becoming so tasty. A few minutes in a dermal regenerator and you'll be fine. So as they are enjoying this crab meat, the doctor <laughs> growls that he's going to need passage off the planet. He's going to need a ship and it is up to Nakan to secure it. So it's a deal. And the doc seems like exactly the kind of person you want to make a deal with. <laughs> yes. Very trustworthy seeming guy. Yeah, he's like, cool, so we have a contract in the form of your hand now being a claw. <laughs> I only make deals with squirrely looking guys who burn my hands. I like the compositional consistency of going slow motion with the cliff fall and also the pulling of the crab meat out of the fingers here. It's nice. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to fall in slow motion because you don't hit the ground as hard. No, it's great news. It's just a bunch of broken bones. Yeah. His head is completely smashed up. He's alive. Yeah. What happened to his face? Tell me, what happened to his face? No big deal. The doc can wave a light over it and uh, I'll just head down to six bay and get him. So she does. And when the EMH appears, she explains all this to him. And they're headed down to the planet, and BLT catches them in the transporter room. And is like, you're not going anywhere, buddy. You are totally fucked up right now. Almost beamed down, just in the nick of time. Good catch, BLT. Maybe don't go into the six bay alone with him, though. Kess goes alone on the mission with the information and the equipment that the doc was going to bring. So it seems like she's equipped to fix... The broken Zaheer problem. The scene between BLT and the doctor is where we get the kind of explanation of what's going on with him. And what she explains is there are lots of people that we've been taught in history classes are the great men of history, important thinkers. But if you know anything about how they actually lived their lives, most of them were absolutely horrible. You don't want to just add those to your personality willy-nilly. What if I told you that... Christopher Columbus wasn't the only Christopher Columbus. And in fact, they're all Christopher Columbus. Every one of them. Christopher Columbi, if you will. And he's like, are you talking about the 21st century director who changed his name to Christopher Flavortown? (laughs) The only Flavortown Kess is concerned with are those lobster hands. So Tuvok is updating the captain about the attempted murder. And this is like another in just a string of the Voyager showing up at a planet and there being a mysterious crime that sort of implicates the Voyager crew. And this being not exciting enough for Kess. They're going to uh, talk to the doctor about it. And uh, they walk into Six Bay and find BLT passed out on the floor no emh yeah that's not usually how he keeps his six bay sorted right 
What he explains is she's had an allergic reaction to the salad she ate yesterday. Mm-hmm. You would think that if somebody was in anaphylaxis and they stumbled into an empty six bay that has an EMH program, that some sensor would kick on and the EMH would appear so that they could fucking jab an EpiPen into that person. Voyager wants us to believe that it's plausible that six bay would be more or less empty most of the time. Do you think that's realistic? I love that. I have this new doctor and... I don't have any understanding of, like, how they are doing it so much better than every other doctor I've ever had. Like, I had to go to the doctor, like, a couple weeks ago, and my wife was like, okay, so you're going to be tied up for a few hours. And I was like, no, I'll be tied up for 20 minutes max. And she was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I've never waited longer than five minutes. The doctor comes right into the room. Like, you don't have a long wait in the waiting area. And once you're in the room, the doctor is there. Like, you just meet with the doctor immediately. And by the time you're home... In the neighborhood, the pharmacy already has your medicine ready. I don't know how it works. Okay. By doctor's office, do you mean van in a parking lot of a Best Buy? (laughs) And by doctor, do you mean some guy with dreads? And by medicine, do you mean some colored liquid in a uh, gallon milk container? (laughs) (laughs) Let's just say... When I get in a gunfight, I don't have to put it through my insurance that I got the bullets pulled out of me, all right? <laughs> wow. I want a referral to this doctor, Ben. Sounds great. I'm, I'm going to refer you. You know what? You shouldn't refer me because you're just going to have to wait longer next time. You should keep this one to yourself. Yeah, this is like knowing a good way over the hill yeah. into the valley. You don't, you don't just give that information up. I've got to get that platinum, get that enlargement. <laughs> You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. 
promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. So they put BLT on the bio bid and they're like, okay, cool, doc. You help her. We'll clear out. And off they go. And the doc goes from Jekyll to Hyde the second they leave and gets together a whole bunch of hypo sprays. Like the scene in the movie where the torturist shows up yeah, uh, and unrolls the knife bag full of different crazy implements. That's a good comp. That's how many hypo sprays he's got. There's always that like semicircle with sharp blades sticking out. And you're like, how is there any medical use for that anywhere at any time? (laughs) Why do they manufacture that? You can only use it to torture or remove the inside of an avocado already pre-segmented and cubed. Those are the only two things it does. It also looks great for company. When BLT wakes up, this is so scary. This was the first time I noticed what they had done to the doc's eyes. Why would we want to look at your eye? And you could see that he's wearing the contacts that make his irises smaller. Is there... Something wrong with that weird eye? Really freaky. And it changes his whole deal. I'm what you call a partial ocular albino, but I'm fine with it. Uh, She is paralyzed, and he does not like the idea that she's been trying to extract the parts of the personality that have made him the man he is today. Yuck. (laughs) He picked shitty historical figures. Yeah, do better. This doctor talks about the original doctor as if they're a totally separate person and a person that that this new doctor would like to eliminate and he doesn't know quite how to do it he needs blt's help it's such a troubling combination of like imprisonment and body horror at the same time like for blt to be there and also be unable to move it's a gross combo yeah at one point, he describes the EMH as a hollow excuse for a life, which I thought yeah. was a very fun little yeah. writing flourish. 
The other thing he's doing is like he's really like jutting his jaw out. Like he's really doing like underbite. He's sling blading a little bit, isn't he? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's saying I can turn off the thing that would make you pass out from all the pain that I can inflict, and mm-hmm. I can really take it to the next level. Yeah. What he wants is a way to get away, and he's unstable. Like we know this about the doc. Like the level of complication in his program is really big, and. It was, like, nearly too big to even be run with the amount of RAM they have installed on their motherboard, you know? There's a race against time element introduced here, too, because this version of the dock wants to kill the original version, but yeah, the programs inside him are degrading at an increasing rate. He, like, gives BLT some stuff to think about and storms out into the hallway where it seems like he's kind of following this lady with the idea that he's going to kill her, maybe? Yeah, I mean, to go from the scene where BLT is immobilized to out into the hall kind of lurking and leering and following people, the feelings they're trying to evoke, that's all working here. It's really well done, like... You're really made to feel unsafe. Yeah. Even when Paris steps into the turbo lift, you're, you're fearful of what's going to happen to Paris. I guess that mobile emitter turned out to be something of a mixed blessing, huh? Am I making any sense here? I loved Oblivious Paris. <laughs> I thought the B-Dunk's performance was really funny. He's always good for that quip on the bridge when they meet an alien that isn't nice to them right away. Like, he's always the guy with that dialogue. Right. Good night, Doctor. Nice chatting with you so the doc heads down to the tropical resort and uh that is where he's gonna spend a little bit of time and we cut down to the planet where tuvok is talking to nakan who has sort of become suspect number one right in the attempted murder of zahir i mean they a bunch of members of the crew saw zahir and nakan like pulling straps out on each other so it's interesting how nakan is doing nothing to disabuse tuvok of his suspicions here (laughs) Like, he is acting guilty as fuck. (laughs) Real law and order perp interview here where the guy's, like, still wrenching on the car while they're asking him, like, where he was on the night of April 2nd. Do you believe you can or can't prove your innocence (laughs) of this crime? This lodge was the last place Zaire was seen before he was attacked. Zahir is brought into the tavern on Chakotay's shoulder like a soldier being brought off the battlefield with an injury. <laughs> like He's an over-the-shoulder Zahir holder. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. And I thought Kess was more capable as a medic than this. Thought so too, yeah. Speaking of people who don't want to be there, Zahir is like staggering in there, needing Chakotay to yeah. stand up. And Tuvok is like, would you rather be Zahir or so there. <laughs> Perfect. So they've left uh, Nikan with a lot to think about. And uh, back up on the ship, Kess goes into the holodeck and finds all of the simulated historical figures are like totally fucked up. Socrates has been separated from his legs. He got bishoped. Gandhi is banging his head. And Lord Byron is uh, laid out on the tiki bar getting his head bulged by the doctor. I thought it was so interesting, the take that Kess gives here, as if she's throwing up in the back of her mouth. (laughs) And I actually looked into why that might have been. 
Yeah. And this scene was supposed to depict all Kesses. Oh, interesting. And I wonder whether or not Jennifer Lean knew that during this scene, and that was the take that they kept, and maybe they changed it on cut around to not all Kesses, and instead it's yeah. the people. But there was a moment. It was supposed to be a like Malkovich kind of moment. Well, I mean, Malkovich, Malkovich, Malkovich is weird and oddball, but to see a number of Kesses in states of dismemberment and stuff on the holodeck and the doctor being the one at fault, they thought about it and they thought that it would be like crossing the Rubicon with the doc. Like you could end the episode explaining away what happened, but you could never as a viewer forget that he was capable of that. And they decided not to do it for that reason. There was just no fixing the character if you broke him in that way. We can't locutus the doc, yeah. is what they decided. Yeah, He grabs Kess and the head to the transporter room where he shoots the transporter operator. I thought that this was an interesting moment. I didn't know that you could fire an unauthorized phaser aboard a starship, but apparently you can. <laughs> you can as long as the weapon you're shooting destroys the container for the thing inside. So this transporter operator's clothes <laughs> completely dematerialize, leaving yeah. him naked and slumped over the controls. <laughs> nice equipment this guy's packing. Yeah, it's fast action, though. The doc gets up on the transporter pad with Kess, and they are on their way out of there. There's been some warnings, like they'll know the second the transporter goes, and the doc has explained, like, oh, yeah, I can make a scattering field. They'll have no idea. And this is corroborated when Harry Kim up on the bridge explains to the captain that an unauthorized transport is happening. We fixed the whole unauthorized phaser thing. Still on the list is the unauthorized transport (laughs) problem on Federation starships. (laughs) Like the hiding place that he has selected is not that clever. (laughs) It's just the bar. Yeah. We only have one location. Well, we have the Christmas tree farm and the bar. That's what we have here. Yeah, and like Chakotay and Tuvok are checking out the Christmas tree farm with Zaheer, and the captain radios down, and he's like, yeah, like I think Kess and the doctor seem to have beamed down, so <laughs> you might want to look in on that. But uh, go ahead and head back to the bar. That's the only other place here. <laughs> There's a bunch of cutting around where we go from Tuvok's investigation to Kess and the doctor's interactions. And the, and Kess, like the entire time as a hostage, is like really breaking him down about mm. his motivations and the evil inside him and the idea that the real doc may be in there. Yeah, and also like the danger of Mr. Hyde messing with the a mobile emitter. What's wrong with this thing? It won't work! Oh, please stop. You're going to hoist yourself on your own mobile emitter petard. He takes a moment to like, like all annoying people at the bar, like share his unsolicited worldview about things. Mm-hmm. And Kess has got a really interesting take about it is that every living thing and every part of every living thing needs to cooperate in order to live. Is that real? The doc just thinks this is some real hippie bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> He's not trying to hear that. He's kind of an armist type, right? He got yeah. all the, like the shitty parts of a bunch of p- bad people. <laughs> yeah, they need to leave him on this planet, marooned forever. So Nikan shows back up and he's like, hey, uh, so I got you a ship, but everybody knows where you are and what's going on. So I don't really know if you're going to be able to get out of here. But we did have a deal and I have the contract to prove it. And he holds up his fucking 
Lobster claw. <laughs> what was the doc going to pay him with? That is a good question. Has he been like saving the latinum tooth caps from every patient he's lost? <laughs> the darkest version of this answer is Cass. Yikes. But it makes you wonder, like, where's the money, Doc? Show me the fucking money. And stop burning my hand. He's really getting fucked up, too. Like, he's he's starting to, like, blink and flicker. He's in bad shape. Yeah, it's accelerating, this deterioration in him. Let's go. Back on the Christmas tree farm, we've got both the Doc and Cass out there, and Tuvok, Chakotay, and Zaheer kind of giving chase, in a way. Yeah, they've got to get to the docking port where the ship is. Which is just along the cliff line there. (laughs) You just go up to the cliff, cross the ridge, and uh, that's where we keep our ships. We've got an interesting approach to infrastructure on this planet where we put the docking port for all the starships that visit the planet pretty far away and like no roads or any way to get through the wilderness aside from just kind of bushwhacking. It discourages all but the hardiest tourists. Come on. I'm tired. So they find them. And this turns into a standoff where Cass is the hostage and Chakotay has drawn on the dock. Could you shoot the dock? Oh, yeah. Bullets didn't hurt the dock when he got his mobile emitter the first time. That's right. Yeah, that's how we know. He couldn't be shot. The nice thing about a phaser also is that it's got a stun setting you're, n- you're never going to accidentally stun someone to death, right? Well, I don't know. You might have a heart condition or some sort of... Is it just a less lethal? Is it one of those fucking things? Yeah, yeah I think so. Because I was, I was going to say, like, pull a Keanu in speed and shoot the hostage would be a move here. You just stun Kess, and then you get him dead to rights. Just grab the mobile emitter. Yeah, but when you're on the side of a cliff... I think even a stun could be lethal because then you're going over the side. Right. Kess really crawls up the doc's ass about how he's acted toward her and into thinking about how he's treated her the whole time. Like, this isn't a hostage-taker relationship. This is like a toxic mentor-mentee relationship that's been happening here. (laughs) And the doc is not trying to hear this, so much so that he jumps them off the cliff together. He'd rather die than face any constructive criticism about his relationship with his students. (laughs) (laughs) I love the take when they materialize on the transporter pad. They're like, oh, man, I thought we were falling. That's big fun. And the doc is just fine. Yeah. They did the program reset in the transporter. Very cool. It's convenient when you have a minute left of episode. Back in Six Bay, the doc is scanning BLT to see if he did too much damage to her. She's scanning him to see if she did too much damage to him. They both get a clean bill of health. And uh, he ends the episode with a little, like, thanks to BLT, a little glad you're still here to kiss, glad you didn't leave the show this episode. And then a little moment alone where he rededicates himself to not being evil by reciting the Hippocratic Oath. Always good to remind yourself you're not an evil doctor if you can remember the Hippocratic Oath. (laughs) Is that like doctor communion? You do a bad thing as a doctor and then you recite the oath and then you're back to one? (laughs) 
I don't know. I always think about this moment in Master and Commander where one of the officers has died and they do a Lord's Prayer and they do the entire prayer and it's like an incredibly emotionally poignant moment in that film. Even the second and third verse of the Lord's Prayer that like most people don't even know. Like, I only go to church once a year during the holidays, and, like, I'm reading parts of these Christmas songs I've, I've never even known about before. We're not skipping the Latin verses this Mass. Jesus, this is what they talk about at the end of this? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's an amazing moment in that movie because it's, like, in any other movie, if you, like, took that much time to do something that sincere, it could fall flat. Like, only a movie that has earned that moment mm -hmm. can pull that moment off. And I think that this kind of dovetails with the question of, did you like this episode? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying. I don't like friends. And I don't like you. Did you feel like it? this episode earned that moment of the Hippocratic Oath at the end? It wasn't the oath part that I had a problem with in this last scene, Ben. It was that the doc did so many terrible things, and understandably, he was not in his own mind right. during. Right. But I think he's got to apologize to BLT, and he's <laughs> got to apologize to Kess. Yeah. Because even Chakotay apologizes in the last episode yeah. for his actions, and and... It is interesting that we have two episodes back-to-back -back of characters not in control of their own actions doing horrible shit to their crewmates. <laughs> and I wonder if it's because the Doctor is not a person in the conventional way that he doesn't think to do that. Maybe they, like, erase too much out of his personality. In all of the research he's doing in, in how to be a better Doctor, I would wonder... To what extent your willingness to be generous with apologies shouldn't be uh, a place of study yeah. for him. That's a big part of being a human. Or I would argue Wait, probably... It is? A, it is? A, Fuck. Pro probably not. Eventually, maybe the doc will get there. But <laughs> yeah, I thought, that was, uh, I thought that was missing more than anything. What did you think of the app, Ben? Hey, doc, I want to see a note's page screenshot on your account, man. This is going to take more than 240 characters to sort out. I think especially because Cass and BLT are so cool to the doc after, yeah. it would give him cover to be like, hey, like I know you're being great about this, but wow, yikes. <laughs> Do you think just like living in a post-Locutus world, people are like, all right, sometimes people kill a lot of people and it's not their fault. We all have gone through this. We know what it's like. It's not good. It's not that big a deal. Leave him alone. I mean, the thing about the Locutus apology is that some bad things are so big and bad <laughs> that no apology is sufficient. And that's why Picard never apologized. Is the Locutus apology the opposite of the big city apology? Yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm sorry if your wife's ship was assimilated and destroyed at Wolf 359. Yeah, I really like this episode, too. I think that it's a good episode. Maybe the thing it suffers from most is just proximity to the previous episode. Yeah. Um, but, but if man, all the rest of the episodes are about the Borgs, then you need this in between, right? <laughs> I guess so. And I thought that Robert Picardo did a really great job of creating a really scary version of his character. 
And he has got a very strong creep gear. Totally. Yeah. Fun, fun stuff. You want to see if we have any fun stuff in the Priority One inbox, my friend? Oh, we usually do. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income. Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. By the interest alone, could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, our first Priority One message here is from Yorimzadi, Hannah, and it's to Mayimzadi, Daniel. It goes like this. Happy two-year anniversary. Starting our marriage with me saying about Trek, it looks boring and isn't my kind of thing. <laughs> to you getting me to watch all of Next Gen, DS9, and Voyager had to be your biggest victory. So I thought Ben and Adam should be involved. And as a present, I will watch Star Trek Enterprise, despite my feelings toward it. I love you. Wow. Holy shit. Hannah, you've done enough. (laughs) You don't have to watch Enterprise. You've gone above her and beyond her than anyone needs to. (laughs) Yeah. Wow, Daniel. You really have a great person in Hannah. You really made out like a bandit in the Amzadi department. And uh, we're sorry we missed your actual two-year anniversary by a couple of months, but uh, happy anniversary, you crazy kids. Wow. God. Hannah did a lot of the heavy lifting here, Daniel. I'm going to... I'm going to need a follow-up from you about what show you aren't interested in watching that's one of Hannah's favorites. Let us know. Ben, our second priority one message is from Mikey. It is to Monkey. The message goes like this. Chris, I know not when this message shall reach you. Perhaps we'll be over the worst of this pandemic, or perhaps we'll be fighting the mighty Megatron variant. (laughs) What I do know is this. You've been a hell of a great blood brother to me for over two decades now, and I look wow. forward to seeing a live show in Toronto with you. Yeah. Love you and your fam, bro. Oh, my God. And this episode comes out the week of the Toronto live show. Good timing. I want Mikey and Monkey to come up and say what's yeah. up. Definitely do that. And show us the scars where they became blood brothers. I don't need to see that, but... I want to just, see it. Prove okay, it to fine. me. Prove it to me that fine. you guys cut gashes in your hands and then tied them together with a bandana <laughs> just bring the bandana hey yeah that'd be fine <laughs> well if you'd uh, like to say anything to anyone the best way to do it is through a priority <laughs> one message here on this show use the url maximumfun.org slash jumbotron to set it up hey adam that been? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. This is short and sweet. It's the doc. Okay. Obviously the doc for me. Yeah? Yeah. I don't think I need to support the choice. I think it's pretty self-evident. Just by saying it, you've made the case. Yeah. My drunk Shimoda is actually a behind-the-camera Shimoda. Hmm. Whatever grip forgot to take the uh, spikes off the transporter pad and let them shoot... The shot when the doc is like abducting Kess down to the planet, uh-huh. the camera swings around and you see all of this grip tape on the transporter pad floor where uh, where people's feet are supposed to land when they get up on there. And uh, yeah, they just missed it. I mean, you never know which shot you're going to take for coverage, I guess. I guess not. Yeah. And maybe 
Maybe whoever had put those down didn't know how wide the lens was or whatever. I don't know if it was a grip or not, but whoever's responsibility it was to get those spikes off for the uh, for the wide shot. And you're always blaming the grips. Yeah. Grips are hardworking crew people. They're salt of the earth. They don't deserve your guff. Okay. Let's say it was somebody in the uh, sets department. All right. That's better. I'm sorry to the good people of the of the gripping world. I, I respect the hell out of you. As anyone would. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Do it. Adam, it's time to talk about the next episode. Season three, episode 19, Rise. Well, on an away that's, mission. That's the title? Rise. With an exclamation point. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, on an away mission to help a planet being bombarded with asteroids... Neelix comes up with a dangerous plan to reestablish communication with Voyager. However, he is pushed to the limit when Tuvok's negative attitude toward him becomes too much to bear. <laughs> Did you just make that last part up? Nope, that's in there. <laughs> that is literally in the description. What the hell? <laughs> I feel like this is a real Ben and Adam type of story here. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Adam, I'm going to go to gach.biz slash game, where we keep the game of buttholes, the will of the caretaker, and that will help me determine in what way we will be reviewing this episode. I have never wanted a three less than I do right now. Oh, yeah. Because three squares ahead is a Naked Now episode, which would be our second Naked Now episode in what? This season of Voyager, I think. <laughs> it's so fucking crazy. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot. It's been a lot of, of nudity and, and nowness. <laughs> well put. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. All right, I'm going to go ahead and roll this bone. Wish us both luck, which mm-hmm. in my case means we do roll a three, and in your case means we roll something bigger than three so that it goes past that naked now. The universe wants us to be happy, Ben, which is why I'm positive you're not going to roll a three. Okay, rolling the bone. And I've rolled... <laughs> I rolled a three. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking stupid. <laughs> sucks. You might have to make it a tiki naked now, my friend. A, a Coco no no now. Oh, this is so stupid. <laughs> you shouldn't have given me the dice, man. It was your turn to roll. Yeah, it was my turn to roll. And I did roll a three. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, cool. boy. That'll be the next episode of The Greatest Generation. In the meantime, uh, head to greatestgentour.com. Maybe there's still some tickets available to see one of our live shows. And if so, you can find them all there. We really appreciate everyone that comes out and says what's up to us on the road. We also appreciate everybody that supports the show at MaximumFun.org join and leaves a nice review on the Apple Podcast or the overcast or whatever podcatcher app you use thank yeah, you thousands of reviewers so many we've, got, we've gotten so far maybe too many I, I think we could use more to be honest yeah not enough you're right you're right the music you're hearing right now 
by the great Dark Materia, who gave us a blanket infinite permission to use this song uh, forever and ever <laughs> for all time. Yeah, I'm sure no regrets over there. <laughs> We got to thank Adam Ragusea, who makes all the original music for this show, including the Janeway song, the current theme song of The Greatest Generation. And a current podcast host. I'm sure the Adam Ragusea hit podcast has already been subscribed to uh, by all friends of DeSoto everywhere. Yeah, that's your job. If you like this, you'll like that. We promise. We got to thank Bill Tilly, the card daddy who... Runs the social media accounts at Greatest Trek on Twitter and Instagram. And Wendy Pretty, the producer of this program. Bring it on home, Ben. Okay. With that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager that's uh, in like a really scary suit for the first time and old man in a cloak is telling us to... Right. <laughs> and then we get up and we're like, no! You really yeah. sold me on this next episode <laughs> from that fucking tub. <laughs> <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.